Good morning. I'm just going to jump right in. You know, Moses, Moses was always a deliverer. He was, it was always in him. He was delivered, and God called him to be a deliverer. But he delivered the one before the many. And he delivered one Israelite. That's why he was on the run from the Egyptians. They were beating him. He killed the Egyptian, and he delivered the one. And I feel like there's many in this room that you've just seen a glimpse of what you're called to do. You've, he was a deliverer, and he delivered the one, and he was on the backside of the desert thinking his life was over because God had a set time for him, an encounter. So then he delivered many. He delivered 600,000 fighting men. So you imagine all the women and kids, easily over a million. He delivered one. There was, a, there was a time in between, just like the 400 years between the old and the new. And I just believe that God is going to stir us up today because you've seen glimpses, epicenter of what you were called to do. You've seen glimpses. We've moved in healing and prophecy and preachings. And, and, but we're going to enter a whole new season corporately and individually. So, Lord, I just thank you today, Holy Spirit, for you. You're the one that convicts. The best minister without you, their words are like dirt. They don't change anything. No one gets changed. No one gets saved. No one gets convicted. You're the one. We mentioned ministries in this. You're above all. And When we stand before him, every crown goes down, no matter what crowns, what rewards. And they threw their crowns down because there's one who's worthy. It's the Holy Spirit. I thank you today for convicting where you need to convict, stir where you need to stir, change where you need to change, give hope where you need to give hope. And just like Moses on the backside of the desert, I thank you. There's people here that think they're on pause and it's over. They've only delivered one, but there's many more because it was always in Moses. Amen. So I sometime a couple weeks ago, I talked about the set time. I'm going to review that because I believe this is a continuation of that. If you weren't here, I talked about the set time. I'm going to read a scripture. It says, but when the when the set time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship because you are his sons. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. But when the set time had fully come, that's in Galatians. So we have prophecies in the Old Testament about the Messiah. Then you had over 400 years, and, and theologians call them silent years, but they're not silent years because if you know about prophecy, Daniel prophesied the rise and fall of the Greek Empire. He, pro- he prophesied Alexander the Great and horses and, and men dying in battles, not silent. Silent to men, they call it the silent years, but it wasn't silent. So what was going on in those 400 years was prophecy. And God doesn't randomly deduce to, uh, let me just, now I think it's time for my son. No, before the foundation of the world, he said this generation. He said this couple. He knew, he knew you. There's a book that David says, before any of my days, you wrote a book, before any of them came to be. God has set times for you, not just one, many. So what happens? So he sets things up for the set time. Now, there, now in Revelation and, and Bible, there's set times. It doesn't matter who comes. Doesn't matter what Hitler, what Mussolini, what God has set times. Men, Hitler says, "My the Third Reich will last a thousand years." It did not. God has a set time. I mean, people live, people live like they're going to live forever and never face judgment. Friend, your life is a vapor. There's only reason there's time is because God stepped in eternity and said, this is time. There will come a day in Revelation where there's no more time. We enter eternity. There's no more redos. Going back, you get one life. There's no more, I wish I, I could have. I would have prayed more. I would have gave more. I would have loved more. I would have helped more. No, no, friends. It is over. It is done. It is finished. Now, Jesus says, it is finished on the cross. He did not say, I am finished. He's standing at the right hand of the Father, and he's interceding. He still walks the earth. He still changed atmospheres. He still casts out demons. He still appears to Muslims in dreams. And there's going to be an increase of the supernatural because Moses had an encounter. He didn't just hear a voice. He heard a voice, and he saw he had an interaction. And see, what happens is many of you have heard sermons, and you've heard preaching, and you've heard men's voice. We need to hear God's voice. We need an encounter with the living God because when God showed up, he just 
didn't start speaking. He said, Moses, Moses, I am the God of Abraham. I'm the God of Isaac. I'm the God of Jacob. Abram's dad did not worship God. He worshiped idols. But he said, Abram, get him from the place where you're at. And so we need an encounter with the living God. And first God says, this is who I am. Then he said, this is who you are. You are delivered. Many of you are sitting in your seats and you don't know who you really are. And you barely know God. Sitting in church, you don't know him. It's through intimacy. How did David know God? Sitting in the field. He wasn't in Bible college. He didn't, he didn't have the book you have. He didn't have, there was no Azusa Street. There was no Reinhardt. There was no Bill Johnson. There was just David with just a little bit of the scriptures. But he would sit and he would talk to God and he would worship God and he grew his intimacy. Then he killed the bear. Then he killed the lion. So when the set time came for him to kill Goliath, he already had increase. See, friends, you think, I just did a little. I just did a little. No, God's setting you up for the big set times. So when he faced Goliath, he goes, no, I killed the bear. No, I killed the lion. He just didn't go from a four-year-old to face Goliath. And he took Goliath's sword. He knocked him down with a stone. He took Goliath's sword. He took his own sword and took his own head off. Whatever you're facing, God wants to use what the enemy calls and to knock his head down. So this is, I thought my battery died. One time I forgot my notes. See, friends, God doesn't need notes. Jesus does, and there's nothing wrong with notes. Don't get me wrong, but it's not just reading words. It's the Holy Spirit going in your spirit, stirring you up, showing you things, revealing it to you. One man, one promise. Abram, look at the stars. That's why Israel is still here. All the nations fought them, still here. Six-day war, they're still here. You go to Rome, you can see the ruins. You go to Israel, you see life because God made a promise to one man. So now we're going to go into increase. God wants us to increase before we go into the set time. And I'm going to read you a scripture. It says, I will send my fear. In Exodus it says, I will send my fear before you. I will cause confusion among all the people to whom you come and will make all your enemies turn their backs to you. And I will send hornets before you, hornets, which shall drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite, and the Hittite, a lot of ites, from before you. I will not drive them out before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. Little by little I will drive them out before you. And here is what we're going to talk about. Until you have increased until you have increased. God wants us to spiritually increase. Because, see, when they brought the fruit from the promised land, they brought the, you know, the people said, oh, it's, yeah, it's a good land, but there's giants. They tasted of the fruit. Those, those were the tasted of the fruit, but they never owned the vineyards. God doesn't want you to just taste things about him. He wants you to possess things for his kingdom. So it's not just, see, the, the days of professing need to come to an end, and the days of possessing. Yes, we will always profess, but not just profess for profession's sake and just confess for confession's sake, but God wants us to possess. Until you have increased and you inherit, inherit the land, and I will set your bounds from the Red Sea to the sea, Philistine, and from the desert to the river, for I will deliver the inhabitants of the land in your hand, and you shall drive them out before you. You shall make no covenant with them nor with your gods. Deuteronomy, it says, Moreover, the Lord your God will send the hornet against them and tell those who are left and hide themselves from you and perish. And in Joshua, it says, Then I sent the hornet before you, and it drove out the two kings of the Amorites from before you, but not by your sword or your bow. Or your bow. So there's times when God sent the hornet. No, it's not like us when we get, in the, you know, we get in the car in the garage and go to work and we run inside. No, everything was outside. Imagine all these hornets. It's not just like flies. It's in the field. It's when they were doing livestock, and so they just couldn't live there. So they had to leave. And so here comes the Israelites, and they had vineyards they didn't plant, and they had cities they didn't build. And so God wants us. It's, so the first point is it's supernatural. It's supernatural. God's doing a supernatural thing where he's moving things out of your way. So the set time comes, you can enter. But first you must increase spiritually. 
See, he's waiting for you to increase spiritually so when you enter and, and you possess, you don't lose it. It's not just temporary. It's you own it. It's not just you go in the healing ministry. And see, friends, time does not bring promises. For some people, time brings unforgiveness. For some people, time brings bitterness. For some bring people, time brings a backsliding. So it's not just time. It's not just waiting. It's intimacy with him like David, and it's increasing on the inside. So when the set times come, we can enter into those set times. So he goes, I'm waiting for you to increase. I'm driving them out, and I'm waiting for you to increase. And until, when you get to the right, now God didn't give them a certain number. Now how do they increase in the physical? A man knew a woman, sexually intimate, and so that's how we increase in the spiritual intimacy. It's the same way. And when we increase spiritually like David, when we increase, because it's like, uh, it's like the wineskins. Jesus says, you know, he was talking about fasting. They said, why do your disciples not fast? And he goes, you know, he talks about the wineskins and the garments. You don't put the old garment on the new garment. You don't put new wine into old wineskins. He was talking about, you know, a mixture of, of two things different. But there's a lot of Christians who think, and, and the wineskins is they would put wine in these animal skins, and when it fermented, it would expand. Now, if the wineskins knew, it can handle it. But if the wineskins dry, just think of the Middle East and the, and the heat, and it just, that, it just dries. And so they put new wine in old wineskins. They didn't do that because Jesus said you would lose the wineskin and the wine. And there's a lot of Christians who think they have new wine, but they just put a little it. Because here's the truth. You can put a little wine in an old wineskin, and when it expands, there's room for it. But that's not what God wants to do. He wants to give you a bigger measure. So it's not just, oh, I have some of the spirit. Oh, I just have this word. I, no, friends, there's always new wine. So God wants us to be able to expand and increase to handle the new, to stretch. Because the old wineskin stretched. And it goes, I'm done stretching. No, you're not done stretching. You're not done changing. And M Moses said, my, my life is over. I'm just going to live here in comfort. I have my wife. I have. He, it, it wasn't even his livestock. It was his father-in-law's livestock. He was under that man. So God wants us to come. Uh, and I'm not talking about if you work for someone, you're necessarily going to own it. But God wants you to come out from that thinking that says, this is all I'll ever have. I'll just to deliver the one. I, I prayed for someone and I saw healing. No, there's, there's more for you. There's more prophecy. There's more healing. There's more hope. And so as we get to know God, like Joseph, so it's supernatural. Now, now I'm, let me be clear. This is not a message about we missed a set time because we didn't increase. I believe God wants us to go and look. I want you to increase so you don't miss the set time. This is not after. This is before, okay? So let's not be clear. Oh, the reason why we missed it is because you weren't, you didn't increase. No, this is God's saying, I want you to increase spiritually so when the set times comes, you can enter into it. So then he was watching the Israelites, and he was watching them having babies, and they were growing up. And, they, and he goes, okay, now, now you've increased to the amount where you can possess the land. And there's times where he's looking at us going, okay, you've increased. You've let go of that bitterness. You've let go of that anger, and you've let go of that backsliding, and you let go of that secret sin, and you've, let, you've increased to where I can put you in here, and you just don't lose it. Because God's sick of ministers just coming in, promoting themselves, and then losing it, and many fall. Friends, there will always be that, but he, he always had a remnant. If you study, even the prophet goes, I'm the only one. No, no, no. I have 7,000. There was always the remnant. God always did things with from a remnant. He had a remnant in Azusa Street on Bonnie Bray Street. Two women praying. There was a remnant praying before before he knocked on the door. He says, we've been praying for you. You're the preacher. Didn't Azusa Street did not happen on Azusa Street. It happened in heaven when he sent the desire to pray on Bonnie Bray. The only reason you pray is because he's good. The only reason you have faith is because he gave it to you. The only reason you have health is because he's the one. See, God reigns on the just and the unjust, but the just give him glory for it. There's the difference. The, the unjust 
just are ignorant. They don't know. Evolution, evolution. Uh, you know, just re- has some chance. Karma, coincidence. No, friend, we have a living God who watches over the affairs of men. And when you have increased enough, then you're going to enter. So the first part is it's supernatural. There's a supernatural part to it. And then there's a natural. But when I say natural, I do not mean without God. See, people think natural, oh, a man or a woman. Yeah, no, you didn't, you didn't bring your seed in. You didn't know that was already there. There's a super, the natural even has a supernatural. The natural, when I say natural, I mean what's your responsibility? Because in Revelation, there's set times they will come. I don't care what mega minister does what, what preacher does what, what this, who's, who's in the White House, who's not. Revelation will end just as it's written. But for your book, it will not. God needs you to enter into the set time. He needs you to increase. You can sit there week after week and go to heaven. And Paul says many will come and sail, and they'll have no no rewards, wood, hay, and stubble. They'll be saved, but as through fire. Because there's two judgments. There's a judgment seat of Christ and the great white throne. And if you are a believer, you go to the judgment seat of Christ where you are not judged, your works are judged. Friends, that's a huge difference. There's a difference between going, you're wrong, to what you did is wrong. That is a huge difference. Motives will be screened, and we can't, you know, I remember I was working with the minister. I was mowing his lawn. Me and my buddy were mowing his lawn. I was mowing his lawn. I'm thinking, at that time, I was like, man, he's taking advantage of us, you know. What's he doing? My other friend goes, can you imagine all the rewards we're going to get in heaven? I go, I'm not getting any rewards for this. <laughs> see, God sees motive. One cleans the church for him. One cleans the church to see the, for the pastor can see. God sees motive that you do not see, friends. He sees deep. And when we stand before him, everything will be clear. There's no redos. There's no lawyers. There's no acquittals. There's no stays. His judgment is final. And so we need to know, Moses, when his judgment is final, that deliverer in you, that was just a taste of who you are because you did it in the flesh. I just want to deliver because it was always in him. There's stuff that's always in us to lay hands on the sick, to prophesy. We watch people and go, I wish I could do that. God says, I want you to do that. And it's not about being well-known. It's about being effective. God has many ministers around the world you don't know, but he knows. He knows their name, and you'll never know. I mean, Sabata Pereira, I used to be his roommate. His dad was India, and he would evangelize and witness, and he's on our preaching team. His, oh, he's not on YouTube. He's not, heaven knows his name, friend. Heaven knows his reward. And at his funeral, many came, and Sabata goes, I didn't even know my dad did all that stuff. Heaven knows. When I was 13 years old, I was not raised a believer. My dad didn't like the fact that I became a Christian. He was raised Catholic. He didn't, in fact, I became born again. I used to push my bike up a hill. It was called Church on the Hill, and there was a reason why it was called Church on the Hill. It was a big old hill. And I'd bring my ties, my little change, my offering. It was nothing. And, you know, I didn't even put an envelope in. And they, people had their names on the back of chairs, and they had their names on bricks, and they had all this. If you go to that church today, they won't even know that I was there. But that's not where the records are kept. There's records in heaven about a 13-year-old boy that put his offering in it. It's there that it's kept. So you need to know when it's increased, you're not doing it for other people. When David was worshiping, it wasn't so his dad could hear. His dad didn't even call him in. It wasn't for his earthly father, it was for his heavenly father. And he would sing songs and get to know God. So when the time came, he could kill the Goliath. So when the time came from, he knew it was for Israel's sake. Friends, listen, God is building in you compassion, faith, hope, and love. That's increased. When I say increase, I'm just not talking about your bank account. I'm talking about your heart account. So there's increase, so he's waiting, and when you increase to that set number, I'm going to give you that set time. When I get that set level, see, there's a time where you need to push away from all these little voices. Yes, I follow the news. Yes, but there's one voice above every voice. God, what are you saying? 400 to 1, the prophets, the one was right. 
It doesn't matter how many voices to the one. And the only reason God says things many times, that's for our sake. It's just as true the first time he said it as the hundredth time. It doesn't change. When he said, let there be light, there was light. So he encourages us and gives you prophecies and gives you words. I remember one time I was traveling with a revivalist. He was a revivalist in every way. And I, I loved him. I gleaned from him. And I would drive the motor home. And every time he'd come to this one church, he'd say, you're an evangelist. He said, I remember that guy. He, you're an evangelist. And I'd say, what are you doing? And the guy says, really not nothing. Year after year, really not nothing. Friends, he was an evangelist, but he just didn't function in the evangelist. So God would say it over and over and over again, not to make it more true. So he would grab hold of it and say, yes, I'm an evangelist. You don't need 300 words if you believe the first one that's from him. So we get word after word after word about the same thing. And God says, increase, increase, increase so you can enter the set time. Joseph had a dream. He had two dreams. Now, if you knew Joseph, Joseph was one of the sons of Jacob in the Old Testament. And his, he, was a, he had two dreams, and he told his brother his dreams. And he says, we were building sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright. While your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Then he had, can I please have some water? I think it's about my seat. Alicia, can you? Thank you. Then he says, then we had another dream, and he told it to his brothers, listen. He said, I had another dream. And this time, the sun and the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. Now, many times God gives us a prophecy and a dream, and we just don't understand the purpose of his purpose. And we need to understand the purpose of his purpose. Thank you. And one of the reasons why we increase is so we can understand the purpose of his purpose. After David was king, he said, Bible says, then he realized while he was, why he was king. It was for his people's Israel's sake. It wasn't for his sake. And so one of the things God wants to do is develop compassion and love for us. Because if he's called you to preach to the nations, it's for the nations. It's not so you can say, I'm a preacher to the nations. If he's called you to work with children, it's not so you I can say, I'm a children's church. It's so you can look at the children. And God says, each one has a purpose. Each one has a destiny. No, they're not perfect, but they're, but they're his children. They're not your children. They're, they're his sheep. And so you speak to them as they're his sheep, not your sheep. They're not your sheep. And it's his sheep. That's why parents go, you're going to be this. You're going to be this. What they really should do is, God, what have you called my child to do? Because it's not what you say. When God called me to be a believer, he didn't ask my dad. Woo! He didn't ask my dad, is it okay if I send John to Juarez? He didn't ask my dad. There was no vote because the three agreed on it, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. To them, it was good. He didn't ask my dad. He didn't ask his dad. There was no generational things. I look back, who was the preacher? No, you can be the first. You can be the patriarch. You can be the first one. He never asked my dad if it was okay. And then years later, my dad received him because my brother and I witnessed him because the one he says you can't go to church brought you in the kingdom. Because we don't have unforgiveness and we don't have bitterness. And so they threw him in a pit. Now, these were his half-brothers because Joseph had a different mother, but they had the same father. And I want to stop here, friends. It doesn't matter what denomination, as long as they're Christian, what background. They're your full brother because they have the same father. And see, so when you look at people as halves, you, you can throw them in the pit easier. You don't believe in tongues. You don't believe in hills. See, it was his half-brother. They didn't throw his full, their full brother, and they threw their half-brother because he had a different mother. But they had the same father. Every believer has the same father. In heaven, there's no division. You didn't believe in tongues? Over here. You didn't believe in healing? You can be wrong about a lot of things and go to heaven. You can be wrong about baptizing the Holy Spirit and go to heaven. You can be wrong about healings and go to heaven. There's people that don't believe in healing and go to heaven. You can be wrong about prophecy. I don't believe in prophecy and go to heaven. But you cannot be wrong about Jesus. You got to know who, you can't be wrong about that. And so in heaven, who knows what we'll sit next to? Who knows what we'll be to? There's no division. Somebody's of God, Baptist, there's no division. I was reading this story where these three different pastors were in this jail cell and it was during a war and they threw them in the, one was a Lutheran, one was this, one was a Baptist, and they're all, outside that, that realm, they were divided. Outside, but when they got into that jail cell, they all prayed, and they go, all our divisions were removed. So 
don't throw your half-brother because, or half-sister because they're your full brother because they have the same father. Maybe a different skin color, different background, different generation, maybe have different colored hair, but they're your full brother and sister. They may talk different, look different, jump different, worship different. They're your full brother. So they threw their half-brother in the pit because it's easier. Now, Joseph was in the pit. He, he, they, they pulled him out and they sold him to the Ishmaelites, where the enemies of Israel. And they sold him to an uh, officer. I want you to remember that. He was an officer of Potiphar's house. Now, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. So he was in Potiphar's house, but he was falsely accused. Then he was thrown in the prison. And while in the prison, other people that the Pharaoh threw down there, a baker and a butler, his chief, they had dreams, and Joseph interpreted the dreams. But when they got out, he said, One, you'll be restored. The other guy goes, okay, that's a good interpretation. What's my dream? He goes, oh, you're going to die. So one, one lived and one died. But two full years, the Bible says, but the Bible says he forgot Joseph. But God didn't. So that was during he was waiting for Joseph to increase before he had the set time. See, people say, oh, Joseph just bragged that while he was in prison. That's really not Joseph's interpretation. He said, then the chief butler spoke to Pharaoh because Pharaoh had a dream no one, could, no one could interpret. He says, I remember all his people no one could interpret. And there's coming a time and an age when men and what the world can, they have their limits, but Christians will sit on boards because they will know what God says. They, and he's going to elevate Christians and voices that aren't afraid to say what he says because it's what God says. And so he says, and then the chief butler spoke to Pharaoh saying, I remember my faults this day when Pharaoh was angry with his servants and put me in custody in the house of the captain of the guard. Captain of the guard. Both me and the chief baker, we each had a dream in one night. Each of us dreamed according to the interpretation of his own dream. Now there was a young Hebrew man with us there, a servant of the captain of the guard. And we told him, and he interpreted our dreams for us. And it came to pass just as he interpreted. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought, listen to this, they brought him quickly out of the dungeon, and he shaved, changed his clothes, and came to Pharaoh. There's a quickly coming to our lives. So there was, seemed like nothing, seemed like 400 years, and then there came a quickly, there was a crying in the manger. And Mary was carrying Jesus, and people were passing him, and they never knew who she was carrying. It was the Savior of the world. Maybe no one knows who you carry, but Mary knew because God told her. So you need to know what you carry so men cannot persuade you that it's not. It's just a fetus. It's just a baby. It's just another baby. Mary, look at all the Israelites. It's just another one. No, you need to know what you carry. If you do not know what you carry, someone will define what you carry, and it will not be what you carry. Mary knew she carried Jesus. No one else, not many knew. Not many knew, but Mary knew. She knew. Joseph knew. A few people. Do you know what you carry? And he says, I'm going to deposit my son in you. Friends, you have Jesus inside you. Do you know what you carry when they say things at work? Do you know what you carry when you watch TV? Do you know what you carry? Mary had to know what she carried. So there they were at the census, and she carried Jesus at the set time he came. Over 400 years, God, there's nothing going on in my life. I'm waiting for you to increase so when the set time comes, you can enter into it. Now, Potiphar, who was under Pharaoh, threw Joseph in the prison. Man, I was reading this one time that stuck me. I was like, dang, I never forgot it. Potiphar threw him down, but Pharaoh brought him up. So you have Pharaoh, and then you have Potiphar, who was an officer of Pharaoh, who's under Pharaoh. Potiphar threw him in the prison, but Pharaoh brought him up, and now Joseph is over the house that threw him down. See, he said, then Pharaoh said to Joseph, insomuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning as wise as you. Because not only did Joseph interpret the dream, he interpreted how to 
bring it about in reality. Because God just doesn't want to give you a prophecy. He wants to give you the practical, too, so you know how to walk it out. See, it's not just about you making money. It's about there's actually orphans that God wants you to help. There's actually churches God wants you to build. There's actually people that he wants you to send on vacation. This can, can be many, many things. He says, you shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Now what threw Joseph down, Joseph is over. And he says, only in regard to the throne, I will be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand and put it in Joseph's hand, and he clothed him in garments of fine linen. So his half-brothers took his robe of many colors, and then here's Pharaoh bringing him clothes of fine linen. I don't know what the devil's robbed from you, but God wants to reclothe you with his majesty. I don't know what he's taken from you. Maybe some of you hope, dreams, insight, wisdom. Maybe time has made you less Come away from God more. He wants to clothe you with what was taken off. But not these weren't just clothes of favor. These were clothes, clothes of royalty and ruling. And put a gold chain around his neck. And he made him ride in the second chariot which he had. And they cried out before him, bow the knee. So Potiphar, you got to bow your knee. All your offspring that you got to bow the knee. See, what threw you in the prison now has to bow when God pulls you up. Depression has to bow before you. And some of you, if you come out of lust or these different things, now it has to bow the knee and you can deliver others. So Potiphar, the one you threw. Now, if you notice Pharaoh, he never asked, why did he go down? He just said, I need him. See, there's things and times. It doesn't matter why man threw you down or what situation brought you down. When God says to bring you up and they quickly brought him out of prison, he shaved, he showered, and they reclothed him. Some of us need to throw off our old garments and bring our new garments in because for this next season, we must increase to possess. Now, after Jacob sent his brothers in Egypt because there was a famine in the land. So here's Egypt, blessed, prosperous, the land. And here's Israel going more and more in famine, more and more in famine. And Jacob finally says, why do you guys look at each other? Go to Egypt and buy some stuff. So then comes his brothers who bow down to him as the dream said. But Joseph said, I am Joseph, your brother. After some events, he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you, whom you sold into Egypt. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. God sent Joseph before to preserve life. And that life was actually the promises of God. Because when he promised to Abram, that was actually his promises being multiplied. Now Joseph could have, in anger and bitterness and unbelief, had his brothers killed. And that would have been the end of the promise. Friends, we don't want to kill our promises. We don't want, there was no anger. There was no bitterness. There was only love for Joseph. And he, he says, God brought me before you to preserve life. Go get my father. So God brought him all there. So Joseph had a dream, but he didn't know the purpose. Then when he saw the purpose, he goes, oh, it's to preserve life. See, you don't know the purpose of your dream. Quit trying to figure out the whole purpose or why you got the prophecy. I'm a prophet to the nations. I'm going to have this ministry or this money or this or this. You don't know the full purpose of it till you get there and God can change your heart. David, was David. you're going to be king, but the Bible says when he was king, then he realized it was for his people's Israel's sake. So you can exalt him. God wants us to increase on the inside so we can possess what's on the outside. See, the dream was not delayed. It was developing. God was increasing Joseph on the inside to be ready for the set time. So could it be, could it be just possibly that it's not delayed. God's waiting for you to increase spiritually so you can possess what he's already given you. See, because talking about it is not possession. Tasting the grapes is not possession of the vineyards. Uh, thinking about it is not possession. God wants to give us actual possession of the promises where we can 
we can go forth with his kingdom, amen? So it's not about what you get or what I get. We're working out this thing together. So, Father, I thank you today for your set times, and I thank you for your increase. I thank you for what you're doing with your people, God. I thank you that those that have delivered and they've tasted some things in the past, barely what they've done, but I thank you there's even greater things coming, God. I thank you some people moved in healings, Lord, but I thank you for the multitude. Some have you. Some of you have been witnessing to a few, but I thank you for the spirit of evangelism to be released, God. I thank you for prophecy to be released. Lord, I thank you. It doesn't matter what you think politically. Every Christian that's born again and has the Spirit can come to the agreement. We need an awakening in America. And the, and the word that's an awakening is awake, God. So wake us up to your promises. Wake us up to your goodness. Wake us up to what you're doing in the earth, God. He waited for them to increase before they could possess. So Lord, I thank you for an increase coming. I thank you for your body increasing so we could possess, God. Joseph, you didn't know why he sent before you. You didn't know why you went to the prison. You didn't know why they threw you in a pit. You didn't know why they sold you because they had to they had to sell you to this man because that man, I wanted you in Egypt and I wanted you in Egypt for a season because I was going to bring my people out of Egypt after they multiplied, after they increased. So in Egypt, they begin to increase and they begin to increase in Egypt. And Pharaoh says they're increasing too much and he tried to stop them. So Lord, I thank you. No amount of spiritual increase can stop us. And after they increased in Egypt, then he says, okay, now is the set time for you to re be released. One plague wasn't enough. Not two plagues, not three plagues, not four or five six seven eight it was the tenth plague it was the death of the firstborn lord and i thank you it was the death of your firstborn that released us from egypt god it was jesus the firstborn begotten son it was his death that released us lord so i thank you for increasing us today god on the inside god i thank you for some people here they might not even have a desire to increase they might not have a desire to know your will or walk in your ways but god i thank you it's your holy spirit that stirs us up and say there's more to what you're living there's more to what you're seeing there's more to what you're thinking and i thank you god for every desire every dream that you've given. Joseph said, I had two dreams. I see you bowing down. But when it happened, he cried because then he saw it wasn't about you bowing down. It was about me saving God's promises because God made a promise to Abram. He says, get it from the place where you're at to the place I'll show you. And then he's going to multiply. So Lord, I thank you for multiplying us on the inside before we possess with the outside because God has many set times, but we must increase before we can receive it. So Lord, I thank you for increasing us, God, from the left, the right, the front to the back, God. I thank you for all backgrounds. God, I thank you. You didn't ask my dad, is it okay if I save John? Is it okay if I send him as a missionary to Juarez in Mexico City? Is it okay if he preaches to youth in third world countries? Is it okay if he has meetings and doesn't take offerings? There was no vote. I thank you, God. You didn't ask my parents. You didn't ask my past generations. You didn't ask Joseph's dad if it was okay if he sent his beloved son first to go to Egypt and be thrown in a pit. You didn't ask him. You just did it because you're sovereign. You have set times in our life, God, that no man can question, God. But I thank you, Lord. See, it's the supernatural, but then the natural part. We must increase to prepare ourselves to enter that, God. So I thank you for an increase in hope. I thank you for an increase in faith, God. I thank you for an increase in knowing who you are, God. Moses encountered you, but he had to see not only who you are, but who he was, God. So I thank you. When we see you, then we see ourselves. I don't know everybody in here, but... John, how can you start with increase? You can start with one decision. God, I want to be closer to you. I want to drop every baggage, every relationship, every unforgiveness, everything that I've held against you, God, every wrong thing that's happened in my life that I judged you, I drop it. Because if God wants to put new things in your hand, the old things have to go. And Lord, I thank you for new wineskins being delivered today, God, so we can handle the new wine. So when the expansion comes, we don't break we don't tear and we don't rip 
but we're able to take the new wine and then it tastes like old wine when it ferments and we can give it to others. It'll just pour out of us like the wineskin. It'll pour out of your parents on your children. It'll pour out on dry dreams and broken promises and things that people said and you served others in ministry and they didn't do this and they didn't do that and they threw you in a pit and they took your favor away but there's one who stands above Pharaoh and he commands Pharaoh to raise Joseph up and they quickly brought him out of prison so I thank you for the quicklies coming in our lives God that it was 400 years but then there was a quickly there was a crying in the manger and that sound of the birth of Jesus so Lord I thank you for the sound coming over your people that says the sound of I have promises I have faith I have goodness for you Lord I thank you it's because of you it's not because of us the only reason we have faith is because of you Lord so I thank you, Lord, for every good thing you're doing in our life, God. So I thank you for increasing us individually, corporately, increasing our influence, increasing healing, signs, wonders, miracles, increasing business. Lord, I thank you. People get in the political realms and business realms, and they understand why I'm called to make money. It's not so I can just live in a big house. Yes, but there's more. There's more. There's more. There's more people for you to help. So I thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name.